success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. We have an amazing guest for you, Simone Kinego, best selling author of The Extraordinary Unordinary You, is a speaker, entrepreneur, and mother to six multicultural children. With her bold wittism, larger than life personality, and fearless attitude, she is a powerful force for good. Sharing her journey of adopting three of her six children in foreign countries, her climb of Mount Kilimanjaro to raise cancer awareness, and all the funny, scary, and inspiring stories that came along the way. Simone instills in her audience the powerful lesson. What you do matters. And it's the little things we do each day that make the most difference. Welcome, Simone. It is so great to have you here on the She's Invincible podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about today and I am so looking forward to it. First of all, oh my gosh, I I can't wait to talk about your book. Oh my gosh, like what an amazing, amazing name, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. No words could be truer, right? And I just, you know, I've just started reading it and I'm absolutely loving everything and just getting to know you more has been amazing. But I want to jump right in right now. Let's tell our listeners, how did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Bumps in the road. Um, I, I started my professional career as a CPA. I mean, I can go way back to the struggles I had in high school. I think that really kind of shaped who I am today. Um, the feelings of self-doubt, really struggling, not being, not being comfortable in my skin. And that kind of continued through adulthood. Um, but I, it took a lot of time for, for me to realize, even as a mom of six, that the little things that I was doing really do impact the world. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for things like that. And we look that we look at the celebrities on stage or the huge philanthropists. Oh, those are the people that are really making a difference. But what we need to realize is that all the small choices that we make, every choice that we make, when we choose to go out there with positivity in the world, that truly impacts the people around us. And it's so important. Oh my gosh. So you, your education is in accounting. Yep. Yep. So what did you do with that? So I worked for a couple of years 
at a small firm. I, after I finished college, I went to the university of Florida. And after I finished college, my husband and I moved to Tyler, Texas, and I joined a small firm out there for a couple of years. And then I realized this isn't, um, this isn't what, where I want to be. This isn't what I want to be doing. I tell my kids all the time, it's okay to change your mind. I think it's a lot to say that at 18, you pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, and so, but that's how my parents approached it. And my, I had amazing parents, but that's how they approached it. Basically you choose this and these are the categories you choose from. And, um, we're, we're a lot different in our house and that we, yes, we, we want them to, go through school if that's the right thing for them. But we also want them to be able to understand that it's okay to change your mind. I love it. So what happened then? So you're in Texas, you decide like, this is not the life I dreamed of. And now what? So we um, had a little excursion out into the country and we ended up buying a horse farm. (laughs) My husband, who didn't even have a dog growing up, he ended up on a horse farm with me. We had 30 acres. I taught horseback riding lessons. Um, I loved it. I ran a summer camp and it was a lot, it was a lot of fun for me. I loved being outdoors all the time. And I had our first child. And so he was growing up on, on the farm, but then we decided that our, all of our family was in Florida and we wanted to move back to be close to our parents. And so I had my second child, Emma. And when she was about eight weeks old, we got in a, in my truck, I did have a truck, um, and drove with the U-Haul behind with the baby and three dogs to come back to Florida. Oh my gosh. And now you're still in Florida, right? So you're in Florida. So yeah. So what happened then when you got to Florida, you're home, you're taking care of the kids, doing the things. Yeah, I was, um, I stayed home for a bit. Um, I, I, again, I have changed my mind many times. Um, I actually went back to school at some point. I went back to school to be a teacher and worked as a teacher for about three years. And I love that as well, but the way I wanted to give back in terms of my time, I was there at seven o'clock in the morning, staying until six o'clock at night. And that was really hard with a family. And I ended up, um, and this is something that to be discussed at another time that, um, I was paying my babysitter more than I was making. And so again, teachers do so much. I think we've realized over this year, how, how much more we even, than we even thought, Um, but so that, and then I, then I decided to go into medical sales. A friend of mine offered me a job and I said, I'll do it. And I did that for about eight years and I didn't love that, but it it was, it was a great experience, great talking to other people, learning people's stories. And that's kind of when I started some volunteer work that put me in front of people in terms of speaking engagements. And, and that's where I learned the power of our stories. It's so important. And that we all have a story. Everyone has a story. Sometimes we don't realize it. Take that time to look and see, and, you know, being able to share my stories and impact other people. That's kind of how I got to where I am today. And that's when I decided to write my book and put it all in there. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sad, all of it. All of it. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so amazing. So tell me what makes you invincible? I think it is my, because I believe in myself. I, you know, for a long time I struggled with that, but I think my, my 
my belief in, in myself and my mindset in that whatever I put my, my mind to, as long as I put the work in behind it, I'm going to achieve it. And that makes me invincible. I love it. Yes. And, oh, girl, that is amazing. Yeah. We're going to talk more about mindset in just a bit. So let's go to uh, where does adoption fit into that journey? So tell us a little bit about what was going on. You know, what, what were you doing, thinking and all of that? want to hear about this story. So we had, we already had three children in between our first and second, it was about four years. So we had talked about adoption then. And of course, as soon as I started contacting different agencies, found out I was pregnant. So that got put on the back burner. And once we moved back to Florida, we had our third child, Olivia, and I had this picture taken of the kids and it was hanging on the wall. And I actually said to my husband, I really feel like something's missing. And he was like, okay, let's do it. You know, we're, it's the now or never. Um, and we were big believers in the now. So we said, let's do it. And we, and we started the process and we adopted our son, Noah from South Korea. And he was baby. He was four months old. And then life was really chaotic. Uh, Noah was a big crier. He cried every time you put him in the car, he cried in the bathtub. He cried when he was naked, he, everything. He cried, he cried, he cried, he cried. <laughs> um, but you know what? He really changed our lives in such a positive way. Just made us realize, you know, opened our eyes to the world and to ourselves and to our family. And so we said, let's do it again. And then we adopted our son, Ari, who he was four and a half years old from Ethiopia. He's 17 now. And that was even more eye-opening, um, really experiencing, um, not that South Korea was the same culture. It's obviously a very different culture than what we're used to, but we had more exposure when we went to Ethiopia, to the orphanage, to uh, a birth family visit and really saw kind of what his life was like and what the world was like, uh, very different than what we're used to. Yeah. And then, and then there was three and then, and then we were like, okay, actually when we were at the orphanage, um, we brought our oldest daughters with us and they spent their days in the baby and toddler rooms, holding the babies, playing with the toddlers. Even when we said, okay, let's go out and you know, go to a someplace nearby, just go take a walk and take a look at different things. They're like, no, we're good here. We want to stay here. And they were little, they were, um, I think six and eight at the time. Um, and so when we went to leave, they were crying because they didn't want to leave these children. And I had to explain to them, it doesn't work that way. Like these children already have families that are, um, coming to bring them home. And so we said, but we know we'll be back. So as soon as we, I mean, the kids there just wanted to be loved. They would hold your hand. They would sit in your lap. They were just waiting for someone to love them. And so we said, okay, we're going to, as soon as we got on the bus to the airport, we're with, with our son, Ari, we said, we're going to come back one more time. And, uh, and we did. And so we adopted Millie. She was two and a half years old when we adopted her and she's now 13 and sh they're all amazing humans. Our life is so much better, so much fuller, so much richer because of everything that they bring. I love that. Oh my gosh. So I have to ask you when you were young, um, and you know, as a young girl thinking about getting married and having kids, did you, was that your thought? Like, I want to have a lot of kids or did you not really, was that not something you really thought about? 
Oh, I think I thought about it. I didn't really want any kids, maybe one. <laughs> and what's funny is that my husband actually wanted a big family. And then after we had our first one, he's like, I think we're good with one. And I was like, no, I think we should have more. So, uh, you know, we ended up with the six that he originally said that he would be really happy with. Oh, so, no. but yeah, it was never, um, I, I never something that I, I have one sister. My husband has one sister. So it really wasn't part of our, you know, our world in terms of what we were thinking about, which oh makes it even gosh. more amazing. <laughs> it does. It really does. Cause it does show you like how things can unfold and you could have the best plans in the world, but you know, there's always a, another way. So, so you have six now. So how old is the oldest son? Our oldest is 25. And, and then your youngest is 13. Yeah. 13. Oh, how yeah. fabulous. What a nice span. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so you mentioned, you know, multicultural in your bio. So I think that we, we should talk about that for a little bit. And I would love to have you share, uh, what does that look like in your family? Um, you know, and, and just how is that? I mean, I saw the most beautiful picture on the back cover of your book that just, it just warmed my heart so much. And I, you know, I just, when I look at that picture, I think what a blessed family and what blessed children that, you know, your biological children and the children that were bonus children to you that you would um, go to these other countries and that you would bring them home and make them your, put them in your family and make them your own. Yeah. Our, um, our family is chaos, sometimes organized chaos, sometimes just chaos, but in terms of being a multicultural family, I think we're a representation, not a complete representation, but a representation of the world. And, and that's something that I am really proud of. And that with our kids, I feel that when they, look at themselves. We had a whole conversation. We have over our, the time of COVID, I know we're still in COVID, but over when we were in a lockdown for a bit and the kids, everyone came home. So we went from being 50% empty nesters to a full house again. And the conversations around the dinner table were really amazing. And so really talking about like how we fit in the world and our value and you know, we asked the questions to the kids like, okay, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? We were talking about labels and my son who is 17 from Ethiopia, he said, I see human. And to me, that was so important. So we talk all the time in our family is that we, we see color. We absolutely do. Years ago, I know people would say that, oh, I don't see color. That was the politically correct thing to say, but we see color because if we don't see color, you're not acknowledging that person for who they are. So it's so important for us to say, you know, that, yeah, my mom is white. I'm black. My brother's Asian. Yeah. It, that, that's who we are. And, and for them, the most important thing for me, for them to feel is that they are proud in their skin. They are comfortable in their skin. And there are moments that are hard. There's moments that are hard for all of us. It doesn't matter, but they're really helping them kind of navigate the worlds because it is different to be a black child in a white family. And these, so these are conversations that we have openly. 
Oh, you're, you're just such, you're so great for this, you know, oh, like what you. a great support and what a great, you know, parenting that you're doing. And, and of course your husband, um, and, and even your other children too. Like, I mean, you guys are all one here. And, uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of support from every, uh, each and every one of them. So let's talk about your book. Tell our listeners about your book, I know because I know your book has a lot of these stories in it. Oh my gosh, just so heartwarming and so authentic and real. So let's give them our cliff note version of the book. What are they going to learn? Why do they need to read this? You know, all the things. So the reason I call the book the extraordinary unordinary you, it's not the extraordinary unordinary me. It's because we all are unique. We are all unordinary. We all have extraordinary pieces within us and extraordinary moments in our lives. We just have to realize and recognize what those pieces and those moments are. And so the book is really about realizing what you're capable of and that we don't need to change who we are we need to change the way we see ourselves. And when we recognize the impact we're making on the world, then we're willing to try more things. We're willing to put ourselves out there more and we're willing to really support other people. Um, and it took me a long time to, to get to that point in my life where I realized that those little things that I'm doing matter. And so I talk about all of that. I talk about the kids' adoptions, um, my daughter, my second daughter, uh, her diagnosis with Crohn's and kind of, so the, all of it, the, not just the shiny moments. I think the way it's so important for human connection that we talk about our struggles because people don't like to do that, but I think it's important that we put it out there as well, because that's how we know that we're not alone when we share what we're struggling with. And we hear someone else share what they're struggling with. We're like, Oh, I thought I was the only one. You're not the only one. We, and that's how we're here to support each other. So that's the, that's a little bit longer than the cliff notes version, but, um, all of those pieces and reminders of what we do matters. It's fabulous. And again, the book is called the extra ordinary, unordinary you by Simone Canego. Here it is. Get your copy. Oh, and that picture there it is. The one I talk about where it is just so beautiful and such a blessing of her family. So I know that it is mindset that has taken you to the place you are today. Uh, and in a few minutes, we're going to talk about some of those things, but I would love for you to share some of the things and in, in your expert zone of genius around mindset about, you know, why it's important, uh, what you can do to have a good, right. Develop good habits around that. Uh, and, you know, I feel like as I ask you, I think like mindset for your family, right? For your kids, like all the things that, that are a part of that. But I want you to share uh, anything that you have around mindset that would help our listeners. So let's do that now. I think it's so important how, first of all, how we start our day that I really, I believe in positivity. I believe in positive affirmations. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have been like, no way. Um, but it really has changed my life and, and how I feel as I move forward through my day, understanding that we have a choice. We have a choice to be negative about things and we have a choice to be positive. So, and yes, there's many things in my daily life and in everybody's daily life where we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that just happened. 
but it's how we look at it, how we respond to it. So I do start my day with positive affirmations. And when I look at a situation, I really, I try to see the best in what is happening instead of judging. I don't judge instead of judging and really saying, Oh, this has to be what they're thinking or, or they're, they're, they're being negative or whatever it is. I was at the grocery store one day with Millie. It was right after. So she's our youngest after she first came home and I had her in the cart and we were, um, up at the bakery and a woman was looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. And finally she walked up and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, of course. And she said, how much did you pay for her? And I said, okay, instead of like the claws coming out, let me take a step back and, and think about the situation. And I said, well, let me respond first by saying that you don't pay for children, but can I ask why you're asking me that question? And she said, well, I'm, I'm really sorry. She said, you know, my daughter has been trying to get pregnant and she hasn't been able to. So I know they're looking at adoption. I would love to ha- help them with the cost of it, but I don't know if I can afford to. So I thought I'd ask. And so it ended up being this amazing conversation. And I could have instantly been like, don't talk to me. Like, you know, but when I kind of looked at it in a way, like maybe I can help this person change their mind. Maybe I can you know, help with whatever thing is bothering them, then it really was powerful in all respects. Um, but again, I could have approached it like, don't talk to me. But instead, I think when, when I looked at it in a way, like I can help somebody instead of being negative about it, it really makes a difference. And that's kind of how I approach most of my conversations. Can't say all the time because I am human. Uh, but most of my conversations, I really try to think, okay, how can I, how can I, give back? How can I benefit? What, what are these things that I can do for someone else? I love that. Oh my gosh. Now, how old was Millie at the time? Uh, it was right. So she was two and a half when she came home. So it was probably three months in. So two years, nine months, she was, she was still a bitty. Yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't really affected by the conversation at that moment. Thank God. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 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 So yes. So, and I love, um, that you, how you talk about like you're, you're starting your morning with your affirmations. Uh, do you have some tips around that or maybe an affirmation that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I, there's a couple of things. One thing is that it's not just positive affirmations, but I I like to find something that I like about myself every morning. I've had people say to me, Oh, there's nothing that I like about myself. I'm like, can't be, there's gotta be one thing. Is it your eyelashes? Is it your teeth? Is it, there's something that you like that can kind of start you in a way. And it might sound simple and it might sound, but I think it really does matter. Like we can't say that we don't like anything about ourselves like that. Just again, that's going in the negative way. So find one thing that you like about yourself every morning and say it to yourself. Hey, I really like your eyelashes. And my kids laugh at me. They call it mirror moments. And a friend of mine started that, that conversation of, Oh, mirror moments. And then my kids are like, Oh, she's doing her mirror moments again. Um, but not only that it's, and, and so one affirmation that I, I really love is you are more than enough, not just, not just enough. You are more than enough. And so that's one I use a lot, but I wanted to add one more thing because it took me a long time to realize it wasn't just the way I talked to myself, but the way I talked about myself and the way I was acting in front of my children 
my daughter said to me one time I was, you know, complaining about not being able to fit into my clothes and that I was fat and all of these things. And she's like, can you stop being so hard on yourself? Because you're giving me a complex. And I didn't realize, I would never say anything to my children. Oh, you shouldn't wear that. Oh, that's no, but I was doing it about myself in front of them. And it was totally negatively impacting them. And it, so it took my teenager to say to me, Hey mom, like stop being so hard on yourself. It's not helping anyone. And that was a really big moment in time. So I make sure how I talk about myself to other people as well. I don't say I'm just a stay at home mom, or I'm, I'm just Rob's wife. I used to say stuff like that, justifying things, right. Justifying. And I am a mom. I am a wife. I'm, I, these are all things that make up me and that I'm really proud of. So, and I've watched the transformation in my kids since I've started this self-care piece that is so important of how I talk about myself, how I talk to myself, how I feel about myself. All of it has changed and it's changed so much for them and little things, huge impact. I love that. Oh, that's so great. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, let's tell these listeners where they can find you. I know they're going to want to find you. We are going to have all of your links, um, your book, all of the things in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, just click those show notes and you can go right to anything you want to find on Simone, but tell them um, one place they can find you. My website, simonecanego.com. K-N-E-G-O is my last name. And even if you spell it wrong, I think you'll find me. I'm the only one out there with that, that name again, unique, unordinary. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we'd love to hear from you. If you read my book, if you just want to reach out, that's what I'm here for. The human connection piece is so important to me. And now a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business, health, relaxation, mindset, kids, and fashion. Check it out on iTunes, The Climb with Christine, and be sure to subscribe, download, and give her a rating and review. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, Simone on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs and we are going to share all of their expert zones of genius and give them tips that they can put into place right now that will help them in their life or their business. And oh my gosh, you have done that so, so well. Thank you so much. We also promise them that we are going to pull back the curtain. We are going to let them in behind the scenes. You know, Women are constantly comparing themselves to other successful women, and we have not figured out how to get them to stop comparing themselves. So we fix them. We just bring in these beautiful, successful women and we pull back the the curtain and we say, you want to be like her? 
let me show you what being like her is really all about. And then we'll talk about if you really want to be like her. See, a lot of people want what you have, but they're not willing to go through what you had to go through to get it. And when you get there, they don't ever see that journey. So we are about to pull back the curtain and share with these listeners to encourage them and give them hope today that if you can do it, they can too. So let's talk about this amazing journey you've had so far. And I love what you said about, you know, I am a mom and I am a wife and you are an author and you are a speaker and you are all of these amazing things. So I would love to share with our listeners right now, a good story. Do you have a good story uh, along the journey to where you are today? Yeah, I have a, I have a good story. I have lots of good stories, but I have one good story that really comes to mind. Um, And it's my, it's my story about climbing Kilimanjaro uh, because I, uh, I was not a climber. I had never climbed anything other than the steps of my house. Um, And I went camping a few times. That's about it. So, but when I was asked to do it, I said, absolutely. That I wanted to challenge myself mentally, physically, and really my thought process behind it was, it's a great example for the kids that put yourself out of your comfort zone and see what you're capable of. And you know what? It's okay to fail. Like we all have bumps in the road that that shouldn't stop us from moving forward. But when I set this goal, I said to myself, you got this, you are going to do this. You're going to put in the work. And I did, I worked out every day, got myself in the best shape of my life, not in that shape right now. That's okay. Um, and I, I went into it with really that mindset of that. I can see myself at the top. I can see myself celebrating at, at the top of the mountain. And I went with complete strangers. So there were 16 of us who were, raising funds and awareness for the Livestrong Foundation. And that made it even more powerful for me. So my tent mate was, is a breast cancer survivor. And so many of the people that were on the trip were either climbing in honor of someone or they were cancer survivors. And so the, everybody's mindset, the inspiration, the motivation, it was so powerful And I got used to sleeping in the tent and having to go to the bathroom outside. That was uh, when people asked me, what was the most difficult thing? Yeah. Okay. The climb was really difficult. I'm not like saying, no, that was easy, but you know, it's what we're used to, right? So being able to get out of the tent at two o'clock in the morning when it's freezing outside and having to go to the bathroom, it was like, Oh, this is a tough one. Um, But all of those moments were they're all part, part of the journey. And so when I reached the top, I kind of said to myself, this, this is definitely a moment where you say, there's no more doubting yourself. You, if you want to accomplish something, if you really want it, not what someone else wants for you, but what you want, put in the work and get to work to to get there. Oh, what an amazing story. I can't even imagine, um, even if you describe it in great detail, what that felt like to be at the top and to see the view from the top. And, you know, so amazing. And so many people don't go there, right? They don't get to the top or they give up or whatever. And uh, they miss that, right? They, They miss that. And you have that forever imprinted in your heart and your mind. And that is such an amazing story. Now, what year was that that you did that? 
That was in 2015. So six years ago, I can't believe six years have passed. <laughs> and yet I'm thinking like that was just recently. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Amazing. Okay. Well, that as amazing as that was, we have to take a turn and we do have to share about the bad because this is what our listeners are clinging to when they are being faced with big obstacles that they have to overcome. So could you share a story with us about your journey that was bad? So I want to talk about my, my kids. Um, obviously my kids are not bad. My kids are amazing, but kind of the world, the world that we live in and how tough it is. So my son, Ari, when he first got his boater's license, it was the first day he had it. He took a jet ski out and within a hundred feet of the house, he was pulled over. And the, and he wasn't doing anything. I mean, he's piddling along because it's his first time out and he's just kind of navigating the waters. And the police officer asked him for his ID, his boater's license, and he had to point out the house that he came from. And the third part to me was like, really? And they wrote him a, 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 a warning for going too fast in a no-wake zone, which he wasn't going too fast in a no-wake zone. And so when I asked him, why do you why do you think you were pulled over? And he said, well, because I'm black. And how many black people in Sarasota do you see riding jet skis? He's like, you just, you just don't. And I think it really opened his eyes. We've, we've had to have conversations with him that we never had to have with our oldest son who is white. And it's bad. It's, it's sad. It's, it's horrific as a mom, the things that I I always worry as a mom, but the things that I worry about that I didn't have to worry about with my oldest son, you know, the way when, you know, we go through the thing, if you're ever pulled over while driving, you you have to keep your hands on the wheel. Yes or no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. All of these things that it's not, it's just not okay. And the way we see the world as a family, I can only hope one day the world We'll see the world that way. And because it's, it's just not right. And I can never, I can never say, I mean, I am a white woman, right? I can never say that I understand what black mothers go through. I don't, I, I can't, I can't ever walk in their shoes, but I can say that I understand what it is like raising black children and how they get treated differently when I'm standing there and when I'm not standing there. And that's a horrible piece of our worlds in that white privilege and it, it, it's, it's real and it's, and it's sad and it's disheartening that we can't just all be treated with respect because we're humans. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And I, you know, I, I look around and I listen and I, I don't even, you know, we don't individually, we don't have an answer, but I think that together that, you know, we need to start moving in the direction of taking this more seriously. And, you know, even in light of some of the most recent um, events and, and just what's going on in the world. And uh, I just really pray for a healing in that area where we can all be seen as equal. And as you said, human, right, we are all human. Um, And I can't even imagine what that feels like as a mom. Uh, no matter what color you are, right? Like, as you said, um, 
yeah, because I myself have never have ever had to deal with that as well. But I am in constant prayer, uh, you know, in in how how we can come to a better place in that area in this world today. So that was bad. <laughs> that was really bad. And I, you know, and I know it, it goes, it gets worse. No, don't be sorry. Like these are the things that we need to talk about. If we're not talking about them, we're not getting closer to a solution, you know? And I think that's been the problem all along is that we haven't talked about it enough um, from all sides. Right. You know, and I think that we really need to do more of that. So in my heart, I feel like what could be uglier, right? Like this hurts, uh, but, but tell us a story um, that has been ugly on your journey. Again, lots of ugly stories. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a husband for 28 years and, and uh, six children. There's lots of, lots of amazing stories, lots of ugly stories. It's just part of it. Um, so our son who is, turning 15 this weekend. He was away at summer camp and I was actually in Israel leading a mission trip. And I got a phone call from my husband on a Friday night saying, I just got a call from the camp. I'm getting on an airplane. Noah was bit by a snake. I don't know any more details. Call the camp. And I was like, okay, how do you respond to that? Right? Like I'm half a world away. And so I called the camp and of course, they're very positive, which was great. They were like, you know, I, well, we're not sure if it was a poisonous snake or not, but we're taking every precaution. So we put them in an ambulance. It's about two, a two hour ride to the hospital that they're going to, and we'll keep you updated. We'll set up a WhatsApp group, all of these things. 15 minutes later. And I'm, of course I'm crying hysterically and you know, I'm, I have no idea what's really happening. And 15 minutes later, they called me back and said, well, change of plans. He, his arm really got swollen. We are going into a local airport and a helicopter is meeting us there. And we're going to, you know, put him on the life flight helicopter to take him to the children's hospital. And of course now I'm like really losing it because, okay, what do I do? You know, I'm trying to find a flight. There's no direct flight. So it's going to take me 20 something hours to get back. What do I do? Oh, the mom guilt, all of it sets in. And so I said, can I, is there a nurse from the camp with him? And she said, yes. And I said, can I, can I please call her? Cause I want to, I want to understand exactly what's happening. And I said, absolutely. So I called her and I said, you know, I know they're being really positive, everything that's happening. Can you just talk to me as a mom? Tell me, tell me really what's going on. And she said, as a mom, I am freaking out. She said his arm went from being, you know, and I needed to hear this, honestly, I really needed to hear it because here I'm like, I don't know what's happening. She's like, his arm went from being normal to being like huge over a 15 minute time period. And we're worried about compartment syndrome. And that's why we're getting on the helicopter. And, and she said, I'll be with him every second. And I will keep messaging you if anything changes. And I needed that. Like I, I kind of needed that moment, not just like the you know, the shiny, like, Oh, he'll be fine. It was the the real stuff of like, okay, what's he, what are we really dealing with? Fortunately, he got to the children's hospital, multiple vials of antivenom, spent three nights in the ICU and he did great. Um, you know, we had to do some physical therapy when he got home, but it was one of those, you know, ugly moments where I, there's nothing, I couldn't get there. And fortunately, 
my husband was there and typically, you know, we, this is a, a funny conversation, but typically my husband is, um, he's a surgeon. So he's cool as a cucumber when it comes to anything in the, in the operating room. But when it comes to our children, it tends to be a little bit different. So when he sees one of our kids injured, especially if there's blood, he has these moments of these human moments, right? We're all human. So it doesn't matter how well prepared you are for something or what you do in your professional life. When a family member gets injured, it's hard to hold it together. So I even write about it in the book. I joke about how he, good thing there's two of us, like he'll, a child will be like, have an injury and bleeding. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is really bad. This is really bad. And I'm like, can you take a step back? My surgeon husband and take a look at the situation. Let's evaluate it. Cause you're freaking out the kids. And you know, it's just, it's how he reacts. He would never do that in the hospital with a patient. Like he's totally calm and collected, but when it comes to dealing with our kids, he has this mo- these moments. And again, with Noah's snake bite, he did not have those moments because he had to, like, it was, I wasn't there to say, you got to calm down. He was like, I have to be calm. So teamwork. That is unbelievable. That is, I just, that whole story is just unbelievable. And of course, every, it turned out great, right? He's okay. Yeah. yeah it, he's totally fine. And he does not have a fear of snakes, which is amazing. Um, he, he's like, and what he said was, I mean, he's such a sweet kid. He said, I probably stuck my hand in its home. And so we shouldn't punish something for that. Like I, you know, it wasn't that it was trying to hurt me. I was trying to pick up a ball and it happened to be right there. And I was like, Oh, you're just too sweet. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And he gets that from you, right? <laughs> well, we try to role model, right? Like that's what we, we do our best as parents and, you know, hopefully our best comes through to our children. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. You are doing an amazing job. So I love to always end the episode with a question. So, and I know you're, I didn't prepare you for this, but I know you can handle it. So what I would love to um, ask you is what has been the greatest thing for you about adopting these children? Like if we're talking to people right now and they're thinking about, you know, should we adopt? Shouldn't we adopt? Maybe we have no kids. We already have kids. We want more kids. We want to help children, whatever it is. What would you say to that person right now that might be sitting there thinking these things? I would say that it is a hundred percent worth it. And again, like everything in life, there are, there are struggles Our you know, our children start at a place of loss, right? Their whole life starts everything that they had before, especially like our son, Ari at four and a half years old, everything from before we met him, you know, that is, it's a piece of who he is, but he's lost all that. And so we can't rebuild, we can't replace, but we can build. And I would say that the one thing, um, the most important thing about adoption, no matter how many kids you have, there is always more than enough love to go around. And, and that's how we kind of live our lives is that there's always more than enough love. I love it. Oh my gosh. Simone, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being invincible and for being willing to share your story with us. And again, to our listeners, get Simone's book. Oh my gosh, the extraordinary, unordinary you. And I couldn't agree more that this describes you 
to a T. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, I have no idea where you are right now in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you. 